It's Wednesday night, and we are, uh, we've been in a series for the last two weeks concerning baptism. Baptism is not water. True baptism is being washed in the blood of Christ. We sing the song, Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? People don't even have any idea what that means. A blood baptism. Blood baptism. Was. A. Death. That's the way they would express. Baptism. In the first century. Let me say something real clear here. If you were baptized in water. In the first century. That was a death sentence because what you were doing, you were saying that Jesus is the Lord of your life. The people in Rome were told that Augustus Caesar was the good God. Augustus Caesar. A-U-G-U-S-T-U-S. Augustus Caesar that he was the only Lord. And if you were caught calling anybody else Lord, then you could be put to death for that. So if you're being baptized out in public in the name of Jesus, you could die for that. So in a sense, blood baptism in the first century was a death. Let me read this article I read to you before about blood baptism. It's out of McClinic and Strong. It says, Blood baptism in the early church was devoted devoted to martyrdom without water baptism was reckoned among the instructions or the catechumens. Martyrdom being regarded as a full substitute was therefore styled blood baptism. It's like when Jesus said in In Mark, the 10th chapter, he asked James and John, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? He was absolutely not asking them, can you be dipped in water? And then he says in the 12th chapter of Luke, I have a baptism to be baptized with. How am I held together till it be accomplished? How am I kadeko, soon echo, soon echo? When he said, till it be accomplished, he's talking about a future baptism. It was back nearly three years before that he was water baptized by John. And what was the purpose of that? We've said this before. I'm going to go ahead and say it again. Jesus was raised in Nazareth. Nazareth by the Pharisees was considered the most filthy place in the world. Several reasons, because it was very... Off in the country, the people there were what they called in their Hebrew Amharets. A-M-H-A-R-E-T-Z. Amharets means people of the soil. We would call it dirt farmers. That's what they called it. Amharets, people of the soil. And not only that, but... But Nazareth was in 
northern Israel. Nazareth is in the land of Zebulun. That was one of the sons of Jacob. And when Jesus started his ministry, he went north up here to Capernaum, just on the northern border of the Sea of Galilee. That's where he started his ministry. The Pharisees hated northern Israel so bad that they wouldn't even step foot into it. And I said last week, one of the main reasons that they felt so bad about them was because northern Israel never came back from the captivity. Northern Israel was called the Ten Lost Tribes. Ten Lost Tribes. Or it had several names. It was called Joseph. And because Joseph's second-born son, Ephraim, was given the inheritance of northern Israel, they would call northern Israel Ephraim, or Joseph, or Samaria. And the, and the Pharisees said, nothing good could come out of Samaria. And that was such a common thing that when Peter and Andrew told Nathaniel, or Bartholomew, whichever you want to call him, when they told him they found the Messiah in the first chapter of John, and Nathaniel said, well, where'd you find him? They said, we found him. He came out of Nazareth. And Bartholomew said, I called him Nathaniel, Bartholomew again. But he said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And he's one of the believers. And Jesus had been afar off when he said that. And when, she, when he walked over to Nathaniel, he looked at him and said, I heard what you said a while ago. <laughs> I think that's funny. I heard what you said, and Nathaniel's going, whoa, this must be God if he knew what I said, and he was a distance off. So because, and the main reason, the, this has such an important, this is an important aspect, why the Pharisees hated northern Israel. You have to really know that. When the Pharisees, they were down here in southern Judah. They comprised Benjamin and southern Judah. Now you will see on a map, you'll see a section for Simeon down there. And it looks like he belongs in southern Judah, but he doesn't. He was not numbered with southern Judah. Simeon was numbered with the northern tribes. I've got my own theory why I believe he was put down here. Because he led this rebellion uh, against uh, the two men in Genesis. Uh, I'm trying to think of their names. Uh, Hamar and uh, his son, Shechem, led this rebellion against them. And he just embarrassed Jacob by saying, uh, you guys, you can't, told Shechem, you can't sleep with our sister and have sexual relationships with her. Her name was Dinah, and just get away with it. Well, they had gone to to the the peoples. These pagans had gone to Jacob and said, can we uh, be a part of your nation? And Jacob said, yes, if you'll be circumcised, you'll become a part of our family. Well, Simeon says, I don't like that. So he goes and gets Levi, gets in collusion with Levi. And they wait till the men are circumcised. Jacob had nothing to do with this. Wait till they were circumcised. And while they were so sore they couldn't move, Simeon goes to 
Levi and says, let's go kill them all now. And they did. They went and killed them all. And Jacob said, you have brought reproach upon Israel. So I believe that was to put him down here so it could be controlled by the tribe of Judah. That's just my belief about that personally because when you study Simeon, he was a rascal. That goes along with the, when you quote Romans eight and uh, Romans 9 where God loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born and people would say, they'll say, well, uh, God loved Jacob because it's ta- he's talking about nations. You mean before Israel or before Edom was born before they had done any good or evil, they weren't even a nation when Simeon did his trick of going out and killing all these people before he murdered everybody. So how in the world could that mean before Jacob had done any good or evil, he loved Jacob? They hadn't even become a nation when Simeon did that. So that's another reason to learn this story. If somebody says, well, he's talking about nations. He's not talking about nations. He said before either one were born, before either one had done any good or evil. Simeon was as evil as you could get in Israel. And God would have him, he would even have Joseph deal with him when he went over to, when they were later on, they were starving and and they needed grain from uh, from Egypt. When Joseph was in charge in Egypt at the end of the book, uh even when and Joseph said, I'll give you grain, but I want one of you to stay here with me until you go back and go back to your land, get your little brother. He said, I'll take him, and he pointed at Simeon. That has something to do with the way Simeon had acted over there in Genesis. Now, Yeah, he's surrounded by Judah. It's kind of like God stuck him down in the middle of Judah to get Judah to make him behave himself. But when they went to war, he went up and joined northern Israel because he was a part of northern Israel. He wasn't a part of southern Judah. He's not included. That is strange. (laughs) I thought y'all might be interested in that. Well, it wasn't necessarily Simeon. Simeon... It was several of them that wanted to kill Joseph, but Reuben, of all people, Reuben stepped forward and said, don't kill him. And Reuben is the one that God left out of his, he was the firstborn, and God left him out of the inheritance. Gave it to Ephraim, the secondborn of, of Joseph. And then the main reason, the main reason that I believe that the Pharisees hated northern Israel is because when the Assyrians come in, carry northern Israel away into captivity up into Assyria in 722 B.C., when the, when the Assyrians came in and conquered northern Israel, carried away the tribes, they didn't care where everybody, many of the soldiers came in and settled there and brought their gods, their Assyrian sun and tree gods in there, and mixed them up with the Jehovah God of Israel. So they had a Jehovah, had a Jehovah Baal grove 
worship. Now, that's the main reason they hated him. But, what do they have in southern Judah? Under the Pharisees, they had a Jehovah Holocaust. They said they didn't like him in northern Israel because they had this mixed religion. But at least they had it out in the open. They had it out in the open and they weren't trying to disguise, trying to disguise their Jehovah worship with a twisted word of the gospel. So they hated him so bad they wouldn't go into northern Israel for nothing. Wouldn't step foot in there. And the and the temple is here in the land of temple is not Judah. You'd think it was when the king, but the king would come from Judah. The temple was in the land of Benjamin at Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in Benjamin, not in not in Judah. So the temple is in here and in Jerusalem. So when Jesus he would not fail to keep all the law because it hadn't been nailed to the cross yet, had it? Including the rituals. So whenever they would have Passover, Pentecost, our feast of ingathering, which lasted for seven months, ingathering, which is the same thing as the feast of huts, or tabernacles, Jesus was so close to the border, being in Jerusalem, when the Pharisees came after him, all he had to do was just step over the border here, just a few miles, and it would be so crowded he could lose himself in the crowd at these feasts. So when he would do that, he could get away from them. But there came a time when he said it's it's time to go to Jerusalem. The Bible says he turned his face to Jerusalem and headed out knowing he's going to be crucified. He always got away from the Pharisees. So he didn't, he didn't get along with them. And the rain, main reason they called him a Samaritan... Well, let me show you them calling him a Samaritan over here in the book of John. I believe it's in John 8. This explains the reason he was baptized in water. I've mentioned this in passing, but I haven't given you everything that he would say. All right. John, the 8th chapter. Now, he's he's just reaming out the Pharisees, just just uh, correcting them, calling them, they're saying, your father's the devil, he's a, the father of lies, and he's just like you. You're, you're, the work of your father you will do. And then he says... In verse 47, he that is of God heareth God's words, but you therefore hear them not because you're not of God. And they said Jehovah was their father. And he said, you're not, he's not your father. The devil is your father. And you'll do the works of your father. That's what a son is, the one that does the works of his father. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hath a devil? Boy, they hated Samaria. They didn't know he was born in Bethlehem, Judah. 
and he's not going to explain it to him. Why should he? So he says, the Pharisees have a law. I will fulfill their law that you've got to be circumcised, washed in water, and offer two turtle doves at the temple, two turtle doves, and you become a citizen of Israel. This was the proselyte process. You had to go through this in order to become a member of the kingdom of God, which was Israel. So, he baptizes Jesus. That's when Jesus said, let's fulfill all righteousness. Let's fulfill the righteousness of the Pharisees because they've got this in their halakha. Their halakha. I'm not going to go through that right now. Halakha, which is their verbal law, and that's the twisting of the word of God. And they said, if you go through this, so the Bible says, therefore am I come washing in water, that Christ might be made manifest to Israel. If you would, if you'd go through this process, they said the Pharisees said we'll have to listen to you. So Jesus just crossed their bridge. He didn't have to do much because his mother had offered two turtle doves after he was born. Forty days after her purification process for forty days, and Jesus was circumcised the eighth day after he was born. The only thing he had to do was wash in water that they called a new birth. And then he could be called a member of the kingdom of God, a citizen. That's amazing. How are we made citizens of Israel? Look over here in Ephesians. I'll get into baptism here in a minute. Ephesians. Here's how we get into the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is spiritual. And the Bible says the kingdom of God is in you. It's not, it was Israel, but it's a kingdom that's in us. Look here in Ephesians. I've been meaning to bring this out for years, and I've never said it because it didn't go along right with this. And he says uh, in Ephesians, the second chapter, talking to the Ephesian Gentile church. Well, before Jesus was nailed to the cross, they had to go through this right here to be a member of Israel before he was nailed. And the Bible, he's clarifying that here with with Ephesians, he's saying it's not water anymore, not this washing in water that's going to make you a member of the kingdom of God. He says it right here. And he says, verse 11, Wherefore remember that in ye in time past, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called circumcision. Uncircumcision was a title and a term for Gentiles. By those that are called circumcision, which was a term for Jews, because the father of Israel was Abraham, and he's the one that was told to circumcise all of the new males on the eighth day, in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, Ephesian, Gentile church, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were not a member. And strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus 
who were sometimes were far off, you are made nigh, near, by the blood of Christ, by blood baptism. A blood baptism was a death to self. Whenever some pagan would come to Israel and wanted to be a member of the kingdom of God, and he would come, say, from over here in 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 Greece or from Rome or somewhere, he would have to forsake everything over there where he's coming from, his house, his land, his family, his money, everything, and come here and go through that proselyte process. And he'd come over here, but he had to give up everything. We give up everything when we're blood baptized. There's death to self. (laughs) So that's what he's talking about right there. You were aliens, but now you're fellow citizens. He says that in uh, verse 19. Therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Being a spiritual foundation, it's not going to be a literal Israel. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, so, if you went through this, you got to be a member of Israel. So this is not Bible. That's Pharisee Halakha. And the reason Jesus was washed, so the Pharisees would accept him in southern Judah. But any time he would call them down for something they were doing and they'd start growling and wanting to kill him, he'd just go step across the border here into this land that they considered pagan, northern as it was pagan to them. And if you don't know that, you won't understand this. Now, we're talking about what is true baptism. It's blood. You have to be baptized in blood. And that was, let me put this on the board again. A blood baptism was the same thing as a daily cross. Blood baptism. Baptism. Is the same thing as a daily cross. That's death to self. It's the same thing as drinking a cup. A cup was a severe ordeal to drink of a cup. Yes, James and John, can you drink the cup that I drink of? And he says to them, I know you will drink the cup, and you'll be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. To drink of a cup meant to undergo a death. So it's the same thing as drinking a cup. It's also the same thing as self-denial. All of these have to do with death to self, Or it would have to do with suffering for righteousness' sake. Suffering for righteousness. Death to self, daily cross, self-denial. Self-denial. I put that up there. They're all the same thing. So if you suffer for righteousness, you're dying to the flesh. Self-denial is death to self. Drinking of a cup is death to self. David crosses death to self. When Jesus said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. New Testament. Testament is the word. It's. Testament is the word. D-I-A-T-H-E-K-E. D-I-A-T-H-E-K-E. 
the word testament means last will and testament. Last will and testament. Now, last will and testament is something that's drawn up by the person before he dies, he or she dies, before they die. Don't you have to be dead? Doesn't the person that drew up the testament have to be dead before those that have the inheritance can partake of the inheritance? Don't they have to be dead? Yes, you have to. Eric can't come in to me and say, well, I want my inheritance. Get out of the house and give me your cars and and give me the money in the bank. I say, but Eric, I'm not dead yet. You have to be dead to take of a testament. I'm going to go ahead and give this to you right now. Drinking of a cup was also a testament. So all of this is a testament. All of this right here. All a testament. It's all last will and testament. Let's read that one more time. So a baptism is the same thing as drinking a cup. Now go back over here to Matthew. We're still talking about baptism. But baptism was a death. Now look here in Matthew 26. And Jesus is, this is at the last Passover. He is the Passover lamb. And after this, he will be the permanent Passover lamb. There is a Passover lamb. The Bible speaks of the Passover lamb. In the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians, Christ is our Passover, which is crucified for us. Well, if he's our Passover lamb... Then the Passover lamb is spiritual. It's Jesus. Then everything else in the Passover is spiritual. If Jesus is spiritual, there are four items at the Passover. There was a lamb without blemish. There was four cups. There was there was unleavened bread. Leavened bread for seven days. I know I've gone through this before, but we're in this baptism series, and I'm going to go through it so you understand it. Unleavened bread for seven days. And then there were bitter herbs. Bitter herbs. Now, the Lamb is Jesus. Let me just cover this real quick. The Lamb is Christ. Look real quickly at 1 Corinthians 5. I'm going back over there in a minute. I've got my I've got my hand on it. Okay, because I've got to fit this in before I go further. This has to do with death to self. Anything that is death to self is drinking of a cup, or it is being blood baptized, or it is self-denial, or it is a daily cross. What happens to you when these things happen? What happens to you? Uh, Doesn't death occur? Death. 
So this is actually death. But you got to remember, the common word death is the word thanatos. Thanatos means separation. It does not mean annihilation. Sometimes it is spelled thanos. It's separation. Thanos, when you die, what happens to you? When you die, you're in two parts. You're in this body. There's a spirit in this body. If you're a believer, your spirit separates. If somebody says, I'm going to kill you, and they shoot you, and you're a believer, your spirit goes to be with the Lord, and your body goes to the tomb. That's separation. You don't quit existing. You're still existing in the presence of the Lord. So when any of these things happen... There's a, there's a spiritual separation from the world. When you start witnessing to people and tell them Christmas is pagan, Easter is pagan, God doesn't love everybody, they're going to separate from you. They may not do it loud and clear. It'll be clear to you when you talk to them about Christmas's Christ Mass. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. And predestination is true. Whom he did for and all, he also did predestinate to being conformed to the image of his son. The word predestinates the word prohorizo and forno, prognosco. And you go through all of this and they look at you like, you've got to be nuts to think that. And they look at you and go, uh uh-huh, 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 And they walk away. The next time they see you, they go, hey, Jim, I, I don't have time to talk. Either that or if they won't talk and they run away from you. They separate from you. That's how a daily cross comes about in your life. Which one's it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The guy that wrote to us from Arizona that I read earlier. He was being, they were separating from him in that church. Rejoice and leave for joy when men, bless you to you when men shall hate you. When they reproach you, reproach, aniadzo means to make you infamous, O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O. When they separate from your company, separation, thanos or thanatos, they separate from your company and they cast out your name as evil, what are you supposed to do? Cast, huh? Rejoice and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice. You have a heavenly reward for standing and telling these people the truth. And if those people go to your church, if they go to the church you used to go to, never believe the truth, then they'll be in hell one day and you'll be with the Lord. That's the way it works. Only few are going to find the narrow way. Now. But it's sad when it's. It is. That's what he's going through. It's sad. It's sad when you talk to your friends and your family and they don't want it. I've had people write to me and say, can you help my mother to become elect? Well, she was either elect before the foundation of the world or she was a vessel of wrath and nobody can help somebody become elect. We don't go out trying to win people to Christ at all. I don't try to convince anybody of anything. I just teach them. I don't even preach at people in public. I'll just give them a word, a Greek word. I wear shirts that say, 
the tilt of the earth axis is the reason for the season and that takes me time to go through that or the big dipper is the reason for the season and that has an explanation doesn't it it's and then I got a tape I did I got a tape that I did and it the title is the swastika is the reason for the season I was going to show it to you but I'm well I can't get it on huh we're not working Mike anyway the swastika is like so like this that's the big dipper isn't it it's called the wheel of the year in the ancient world and what they wanted to do is get they'd check this at on every three months at midnight june september december march and they wanted the big dipper at midnight to get all the way around here in the spring so they could have crops so what is about and that is the swastika suvasti meaning it is good it was good when this they could get the the will of the year the big dipper the swastika get around here that's where hitler got that hitler was a fire worshiper he was an insane fire worshiper now where did i say we were going first corinthians five now here's the lamb right here I'm just going to read the verse that's got the lamb in it. Talking about this man having an affair with his stepmother. The Bible calls him the leaven of the Passover. Spiritual Passover. And the leaven, they had to get all the leaven out of a household at the Passover. They had to search the floor. They got a, a little saucer with a wick in it. Got down on the floor and looked for leaven. When they found it, they took it outside and burned it the morning of the Passover. This man having an affair with his stepmother, he is a spiritual picture or an anti-spiritual picture of the leaven of the Passover. Purge out therefore the old leaven. Turn this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. This man that's having an affair with his stepmother. Verse 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Christ is the Passover lamb. i got so much more to say on that. Look over here real quick. 1 Corinthians 10. So Christ is the lamb. And in verse 16 of chapter 10, the cup of blessing which we bless. Cup of blessing according to Alfred Edersheim in the Templist Ministry and Services, wonderful book. Mr. Edersheim was born in 1825. He was a Jew converted to Christianity. He lived till, 19, till 1899, 1889, died that year. He says that the cup of blessing was the title. It was a title for the third cup of the Passover. They had four cups. The third cup was called Cup of Blessing. So he says the cup of blessing. Here's the spiritual cup of the Passover. Which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? It's not talking about grape juice. And it was against Jewish law to drink blood. 
But what are you drinking when you drink blood? Well, you're drinking, you're drinking of death. But he says, my blood is drink indeed. Indeed is the word aletheis. And that means of truth. And that is death to self. Death to the old man so that the new man can come alive, right? That's what it's about. So he says, Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? My blood is drink indeed, and my flesh is meat indeed. It's of truth. There in the sixth chapter of John. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? What is the body of Christ? The church. And how many bodies are there? One. He said, this bread is my body. He didn't say, he didn't say the, blood, the bread is actually my body. He said, this bread, esteem, represents my body. He didn't say enai, E-I-N-A-I, which be a word for is in the Greek. He didn't say that. He said, this represents my body, which is the church. Partake of my body, the church. And then he says, uh, oh, we, then he says, in verse 17, for we being many are the one bread. We're the one unleavened bread. The bitter herbs, every time in the Old Testament when Israel get away from God and they're going after all these gods, God says, I'm going to feed you with wormwood. Wormwood and gall. Those were bitter herbs. And whenever whenever they would get away from God, he'd say, you're going to drink bitter herbs. So the bitter herbs is the trials of life that God uses to shape us into his likeness. So if this is spiritual, which it is, you don't have a literal Passover. You have a spiritual Passover. What happened to the literal rituals of the Passover? Well, he'll tell you over here in Matthew 26. Matthew 26. I was going to bring this out along with the baptism. I got so many things to say on the blood baptism. So here in Matthew 26. Well, let me just go ahead and show you. They were eating the Passover. Matthew 26, verse 2. You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover. 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 And then verse 17 the first day of unleavened bread, which is another term for the Passover feast, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover, not crackers and grape juice? And then he says down here in verse 18, he said, Go into the city and such a man and said to him, My master saith, My time is at hand that I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. What are they going to eat? Passover. Not crackers and grape juice. 
And then they made ready the Passover. And when evening was come, he sat down at the Passover with his twelve. And as they did eat, he said, as they did eat what? The Passover. Good grief, you preachers. And they did eat the Passover. Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And, and they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say to him, Lord, is it I? In verse 23, he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me, it says the dish here over in John, it says into the sop. Sop was a bitter herb. That's what it was. He that dippeth with me in the soppy dish, he that dippeth with me, the same shall betray me. And the Son of Man goeth as it was written, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Woe is the cry of damnation. And it had been good for that man if he had never been born. People say, did Judas go to heaven? No, it would be better for him never been born. He wouldn't say that about a vessel of mercy which he hath afore prepared to glory, would he? Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said, You said it. I said. And as they were eating the Passover, good night, preachers, Jesus took bread. So we're looking toward a spiritual Passover, aren't we? Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my church. This represents, esteem, my church. What he's saying is partake in the body of Christ. I can't hardly keep myself from going somewhere here. You'll have to forgive me. Hold on here and go to the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. This 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians is partaking of the body of Christ. And he says it. It's eating of the body. But eat doesn't mean necessarily to put something in your mouth and chew it. When Jesus was talking to the woman at the well in John, the fourth chapter, Jesus, the apostles, leave to go into town. And they come back and they say, have you eaten anything? And he said, I have a meat to eat of, to eat of, that you don't know anything about. He said, my meat is to do. Meat is to do. That's not something you put in your mouth and chew. To do the will of my Father. Will of Father. That's my meat. Is what I do. Boy, I keep saying, you can't convince people with words. It's not your words that's going to matter. It's what you do in front of people. It's to do the will of the Father. And he says the same thing over in the 24th chapter of Matthew, close to the end of the chapter, that a man was in the house of his Lord and he said, and the Bible says he came 
The Lord came to the house and gave his servant meat. And then the Bible says, when his Lord comes back to the house, blesses that man, when his Lord cometh, he finds so doing the meat. You have to do the meat. Well, how do you do the meat of God? Well, do you do the law of God? Would that be doing it? Doing his meat? And law is the word nomos. Now, most means legal food. So, legal food for animals, in our case, sheep. So, the food that we partake of is our doing. That's what Jesus is talking about at the last Passover. Doing is your meat. It reminds us of confessing. Confess. Confess homologeo. Homologeo comes from homo, meaning of the same. We get the word homosexual from that, of the same. And logos means word, of the same word. And homologeo means to agree with. When you confess Christ, you don't just agree with him one time down in the altar in a church. You agree every day by what you do. Paul said, some men profess that they know God. Same word, Titus 1.16. I don't know why they translated profess to the same word as confess was, but they did. Some men profess that they know God, but in works, what they do denies Christ. They deny him. Arneomai, R-A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I. And to deny means to contradict Oh, you can honor God with your mouth, but your heart can be far from God. Jesus said that just because you sit with your mouth don't mean nothing. We've got to be constantly aware of being gentle and kind and tenderhearted to all men. That's what we do. Doesn't that contradict what the preacher said? They preachers say works is not involved. That's the most insane thing I've ever heard. You don't work for salvation. You're not saved because of what you do. You do because you're being saved. Faith without works is dead being alone. And faith worketh by love. By agape. And agape is doing, isn't it? This is love that we walk after his commandments. If we walk after 2 John 6, it's all about God. If he changes you, you're not saved by by what you do. You're, You're doing because you are a believer and because he is saving you. You have to change. If you don't do, then it's mental sin. That's right. If you don't do, you've got mental sin and nothing else. It don't mean a thing if he's not changing you. Me and Mary talk about God changing us all the time. She's not the same person she was 10 years ago. I'm absolutely not the same person I was five years ago. I'm changing every day. I do more every day than I did. I do more now than I did last year or the year before. 
I'm constantly, and I don't have everything down. Sometimes I'll go in and out of a store, talk to so many people, and I'll get to where I don't want to talk anymore because they all know I'm the crazy guy with the T-shirts that says something nutty. Uh, God doesn't love everybody, or most people are going to hell when they die. They don't like that. One lady saw that in the doctor's office. What did that say? Most people are going to hell when they die. I said, you act like I said that. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. She said, what? I said, straight is the gate, and there's a way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. She said, why did you put that on the shirt instead of that? Well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Few are going to heaven, and not many people are going to heaven when they die. Most people are going to hell. You put it in plain words, and people get bent out of shape. There's an idiom, isn't it? <laughs> they get bent. All right. Now, where was I? 1 Corinthians 12. Here's how you eat the body of Christ. You do. Isn't that what you do? You do. And he says here in 1 Corinthians 12. I didn't have any intentions of going here tonight. Had so much now, so much else. The Bible says there's diversities of gifts and operations. And then verse 6, there's a, this is the gift chapter. But a gift is what you were born with. You have a propensity, whatever that means, for working computers. Right? That means you're good at computers. If you have an acumen for being good in business, or if you're very good at building things with your hands, that's the gift that God's given you. And then he says, For the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now, let me just say, Spirit is what? Holy Spirit is truth. For to one is given by the Spirit of the Lord word of wisdom but wisdom comes in time you have to go to all those verses on wisdom and much wisdom is much grief when you get old when you get old like me you have a lot of wisdom and you're very grieved and much knowledge is sadness the bible says to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit word of knowledge knowledge gnosis means information or science that takes years of studying the truth which the holy spirit is to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit but everybody's not able to heal or raise the dead like peter was like paul was to another working of miracles and we don't have those today uh to another miracles and to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, of glossa, to another interpretation of glossa, which is foreign languages. But all these worketh that one and selfsame spirit, providing to every man severally as he will. But as the body is one, take eat, this is my body. It is, and the cup is the last will and testament. And hath many members, all the members of that one body, which is the church, eat of the body, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? Take, eat, this is my body. But eating is not 
so much chewing it's doing and to and being to one body being many or one body so also is Christ for by one spirit here's this true baptism right here by one truth when you tell the truth you die for it right you're separated from the world you die for the truth so telling the truth makes you participate in a blood baptism and a daily cross drinking the cup self-denial suffering for righteousness sake people separate from you that's a death it's a form of death and then he says for by one spirit are we baptized into one body the church whether we be Jews or Gentiles whether we be bond or free and have been made all to drink into one truth then the Bible say the spirit is the truth John 14, 15, 16, John 15, 26, John 16, 13, 1 John 5 and 6. The Spirit is the truth. What else is the truth? For my blood is indeed, is of truth. So it's drinking the cup, which is death, death to self. And it tells you about the places in a physical body, equating it with places in a spiritual body. If the foot shall say, because I am not of the hand, I am not of the body. If the piano player shall say, because I am not of the pulpit, I am not of the body. If the person that sweeps the floor and cleans the bathroom says, because I am not of the body, I am not of the song leader, I am not of the body. It takes everybody in the body to partake or to eat of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not of the eye, I'm not of the body. If the uh, guy that runs Mike running the computers and the guys running the cameras, and they say, I'm not the preacher, I'm therefore not of the body. I tell Mike and Dave and Tom nearly every day, I see them. I can't do this without you guys. I don't even know how to turn those cameras on. I have no idea what that Mike does back there. And he does all that taking care of the equipment and running the board and making tapes all through the week, making DVDs all through the week. And Dave stays on the phone calling these, calling these TV stations, keeping up with it. And he sends me an email about twice a month and says, Jim, I need these checks. Mary brings it in, sits on the kitchen table. Okay, I got to send six hundred dollars to this, and and two hundred and fifty to that, and one hundred and twenty-five to this, and I got eleven dollars that goes over to what is it over in the Fort Smith? How much is it? It's like two dollars and twenty cents an hour. <laughs> two dollars and twenty cents an hour. I got two dollars and twenty cents. Got to go here, but it may add up to twelve, fifteen hundred dollars. And that's how he partakes in the body of Christ. And Tom sits on the computer constantly, answers people. And Tom is super good at answering. He's a lot better than me. When Mary wants something answered, he'll say, he'll go to Tom, you're better at this than us. We don't just brag on him. He really is good at it. And you just, the way he can word things like, 
gosh, you sound like a professional lawyer. And uh, so he partakes in the body that way. The way you eat of the body is partaking of it. And everybody's got their job. I would be a little preacher inside a room somewhere. I don't know how to do what they do. I could learn if I had time, but I'm too old to do that. Besides that, i got to do this. And I don't resent them for doing it. I may not even have the patience to do what they do. Then he says, If the whole body were an eye, where is the hearing? If the whole body were a preacher, but we've had, we've had a bunch of young guys here want to be the preacher. And uh, where were the hearing? Or where is the smelling? But how hath God, now God has set members, everyone in the body as it has pleased him, to eat of the body. And if they were of member, if they were all one member, where's the body? Where's the church? We're talking about partaking. And now are they, but they can't partake in the body of Christ till he's dead, can they? Because the church doesn't start till Acts 2. And now are they all members of the body, and the eyes cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. I can. I will never say to these guys, these three guys, I don't have any need of you, because we'll, the church will stop without them. They're not expendable, indispensable. God would have to supply another person, because I can't do what they do nor against the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body would seem to be more feeble and necessary. We used to think the appendix wasn't necessary, and if you got operated on in the middle, they'd take your appendix out. But we found out that the appendix gathers poison out of your body. And we need them. We used to think the tonsils weren't necessary. And back in the 40s, all little kids would get their tonsils taken out. The tonsils gather infection. And I thought I needed to have my tonsils out at 24. And I had my tonsils out. I went in the professional gospel group, the Blackwoods. And I had, I had my tonsils removed. And the infection started going to my lungs. I was dumb. I didn't know thought I didn't need it and those members of the body which you think to be less honorable upon these we bestow more abundant honor more abundant honor to the ones that don't fit well the word uncomely asthenase means they don't fit well we got people in this church that don't fit well with everybody else always make sure I go by and pat them on the shoulder and say how you doing sometimes I go uh And our uncomely parts have abundant comeliness. Our comely parts have no need. When you fit real well, you've got all kinds of talent. You don't need any recognition. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism, no division in the body, in the church, but that the members should have the same care one for another. It don't mean after somebody's developed like you have or like you think you have, and you can tell everybody else, did you hear that in the message? You need to listen to this. 
You got a shovel in your hand while I'm preaching, and you shovel here. Here's for you. No, no, it's for you. But that the members may have the same care one for another. This is a perfect chapter for taking of the body of Christ, isn't it? And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. If somebody's really suffering, we're always to go to their rescue. That's what we're supposed to do. And one member be honored above all members rejoice with it. And the next verse, 27, is going to how you eat of the body of Christ, speaking of everything in here. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. The word particular is meros. It means a portion to eat of. There you go. Everybody's got a portion to eat of. It's by doing. Well, let me show you that word meros in the last chapter of Luke. Over to Luke. Last chapter. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He goes up to Galilee, runs upon the apostles up there, runs into the apostles. And he asked them. Well, hold on, I'll find it. Last chapter of Luke. Now remember, we're members in particular a portion to eat of, eating of the body. And Jesus comes to the apostles. Verse 40, when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were yet yet believed not for joy, wondered, he said unto them, Do you have any meat, anything to eat? And they gave him a meros, piece of fish. Same word as particular, meros. We are members in particular. We're partaking of the body of Christ spiritually. That's what Jesus was talking about. Good grief. Preachers, you, they think he's talking about eating crackers and drinking grape juice in the 26th chapter of Matthew and in the 14th chapter of Mark and in the 22nd chapter of Luke. It's a Passover. And the Passover... now. Let's go back over here to 1 Corinthians. And look over here in All right. In the not 1 Corinthians, what am I thinking of? Hebrews. Sometimes I confuse Corinthians and Hebrews. I don't know why. All right. Go to Hebrews. And uh, go over here to. Oh, that's James. It's not in James. All right. 
the the ninth chapter of Hebrews. Now, what did we say a while ago? Didn't we say last will and testament? You can't partake of it till the death of the man who wrote it. You can't partake of it till then, can you? What he says here. Verse 16, Hebrews 9 chapter. For where a testament is, there must also be of necessity the death of the testator, Mesites. The one who drew up the testament. Well, Jesus says, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. You can't partake of that cup until he's dead, can you? Right? You see that? He can't be talking about the grape juices in the cup, and it has to be grape juice because it was against their law to have any, it's against the Bible law to have any leaven at the Passover. And fermentation is a type of leaven. And it can't be a drunken elixir. It has to be fresh grape juice. So, he has to be dead before they can drink the cup. He can't be talking about drinking a cup of grape juice. He's talking about drinking the cup, which is death to self, which is the same thing as a blood baptism. He has to be dead for them to partake of it. You have to remember this is the night before he died. The night before he died was to us Thursday night. We call it Thursday night. But it was actually Friday because their day began at 6 o'clock or sundown went the next day to sundown. And he was talking to them probably 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. Right? Somewhere around there. And he's not going to die since their day begins at 6 or sundown and ends at sundown on Friday. And he did die on Friday. I don't want to go into that right now. And he doesn't, if let's say it's, nine, it's 10 o'clock at night, he's not going to die until 12 o'clock, what we call the next day, between 12 and 3. If he dies at 3 o'clock the next day, there's darkness from the 6th to the ninth hour. 12 o'clock is the 6th hour of the day. 3 o'clock is the ninth hour of the day. If he dies around 3 o'clock, they can't drink the cup until at least three, three o'clock and two seconds. That'll be after his death. They can't drink the cup, but he's. They're not going to say. Everybody gather around, and we're going to drink grape juice now that Jesus is dead. What he's saying: After I'm dead, I'm the testator. You got to start dying after I'm dead, because you're going to be partaking of the body. Can you see that? 
I've said this at least a hundred times. And to me, that's the miracle of understanding the last Passover. We already said you got the spiritual lamb, the the spiritual cups, the the spiritual bread is the church, the bitter herbs is the trials of life, it's the sop. Do y'all see that? Somebody shake their head or whatever. He wasn't talking about drinking grape juice that night. He's talking about 9 o'clock at 12 the next day. He's talking about somewhere 9 o'clock, 10, 11, 12. He's talking about 15 to 18 hours later is when you're going to start drinking the cup, isn't he? From the time he says that till the next day when he dies, he's not talking about drinking a cup of grape juice, is he? He can't be. I don't know why preachers can't see this. And then he goes on to say, for the testament is a force after men are dead. Jesus had to die before the testament was had any force to it, right? I love teaching this because this just exposes that cracker and grape juice thing. Besides that, you had all these items at the Passover. When God says over in Malachi 3, I change not, change not, shana, S-H-A, N-A-H means to mutate or duplicate. He is saying, I do not mutate the Passover into crackers and grape juice. And I don't duplicate the Passover. It's still the same thing spiritually. I don't know why people don't... I don't know why... 5,000 preachers don't call me after they see this on the TV. But if they see it, they're going to have to quit doing it in the church and they have to preach it and that's going to ruin their congregations and they'll fire them and they'll have to get a job selling furniture down in the street here at Rivergate. They'll take away their $200,000 a year salary, their $50,000 a year housing allowance. Their oh, Do you know that preachers get that? I knew one preacher he got twenty five thousand a year housing allowance, eighteen thousand. He wouldn't even pastor of a big church. All kinds of they give him an IRA and all this stuff. If they get a hold of this, they'll have to preach it. They can't afford to listen to it. And they have to say, Jim Brown has taken everything out of context, yeah, and you're an idiot too. Idiotes. Ignorant. You know, that makes me mad when preachers act stupid. I don't think they act stupid. I think they are stupid by our dull of hearing. The last verse of it. Okay. Okay. Well, let me finish reading down here. Let me read on down. For the testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength. At all while Jesus is alive. It says as the testator liveth. It is talking about Jesus. Wherefore neither the first testament. Was dedicated without blood. Without death to self. 
For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. The Bible teaches that over in Exodus. Saying, this is the blood of the testament. Isn't that Jesus' words? That's exactly what he's saying here. This is the blood of the testament which God has joined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled the blood, both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the... See, they did the same thing in the Old Testament, literally. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. And that word remission is the word aphesis. It is the same word forgiveness. There's no forgiveness without a blood baptism upon our lives. It was therefore necessary that the patterns, the Old Testament was a pattern. Hupodema, H-U-P-O-D-E-I-M-A, H-U-P-O-D-E-I, I believe there's a G in there, M-A, I didn't have it written in my Bible. It means imitation. It's an imitation. Imitation is not the real thing. The real baptism is blood. It's death to self. Y'all know that's hard. Death to self is hard. That's why a lot of people don't want to hear this. That's why a lot of people quit after they've been coming here two or three years. It's just too hard, isn't it? Dave and I will see each other every couple of days and he'll say, world's crazy, just we need to be out of here or something like that. And we do. I'm glad when Jesus comes. I'm so sick and tired of this world. When you're into the truth, people don't like it. The majority of the world hates the truth. When the Bible says few are going to go into the narrow way, and the narrow way is the true baptism, isn't it? Narrow. Thalibo. It's a form of thalipsis. One is the verb, the other is the noun. Thalipsis means tribulation. Well, that's death to self, isn't it? They tried to kill Paul and stone him and left for dead outside of Lystra. And he said, we must do much tribulation into the kingdom of God. And that's a daily cross, and that's a blood baptism. That's a narrow way. And let me read on down here. And these were patterns of the things in heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. There's a better sacrifice than those bulls and goats. For Christ is not entered into holy places made with hands. Gosh, how long can I spend on that? The holy place, once you learn what the holy of holies is, that was called the house of God. Christ is the son of his own house. Whose house are we? The ark of the covenant is sprinkled. Our hearts are sprinkled. And there's a... We enter in. Just stop right there a second. Go down to verse 20 of chapter 10. 
or chapter 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies, which is the inner sanctuary, by the blood of Jesus. Not, and it wasn't the blood of a lamb that was offered on the Day of Atonement. It was the blood of a goat offered on that altar. When the Bible says God hath made him to be sin for us, God made him a goat in our place. Where was I? 24. Oh, wait, I got to go back over here. Having therefore boldness, brethren, to enter in by the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. And what did they do with the blood of, of Christ? What did they do with the blood of the goat? They sprinkled the Ark of the Covenant seven times. By new and living way, we enter into the Holy of Holies. By a new and living hodos. There's only one hodos. It is narrow. Narrow is the way that leads to life. The way. Narrow is thelebo. It's a form of thelipsis. It means tribulation. Going into the holiest, and we have a high priest, and the high priest is Jesus forever after the order of Melchizedek, and he comes into our hearts through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and his flesh is the bread, and the flesh is the truth, and the veil is his flesh, the bread, the flesh is the bread, the bread is the body, the body is the church. It's all equal to each other. Things equal to the same thing are equal to each other. How's that for good algebra equation? Axiom. So you enter in through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and our hearts are sprinkled. Our hearts are blood baptized and we start opening our mouths and getting killed every day is not fun, is it? Uh, has anybody found that to be fun? Do you have problems with people? <laughs> it's not fun. It's it's feel makes you feel bad. We enter in by a new and living way through the veil that is to say his flesh is flesh is the bread, his flesh is the truth. The truth is the word, the the flesh is the veil, the veil is the bread, the body, the church. They're all the same thing. Having a high priest over the house of God, Melchizedek office. Melchizedek is an office. Order, taxes means an office. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with the blood of Christ from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Pure water. That's our true baptism. Jesus tells the woman at the well, I'll give you living water and you'll never thirst again. He's talking about truth or the blood of Christ or the Holy Spirit or blood. And you drink blood when you drink of truth because you end up making people angry and they separate from you and crucify you. And pure water was living water. Most people don't know when they see pure water. They didn't consider the water they had in their cisterns pure. They had flies all over it, just flying around it and laying eggs in the cisterns. It's a very arid land. It was very unhealthy to drink their water. So they drilled a lot of wells, and they called that rushing water 
down in those underground streams, living water, because it was moving. And Jesus tells the woman at the well, I'll give you water and you'll never thirst again. And she says to Jesus, you didn't bring any rope with you. Jacob's well is very deep. How are you going to leave me? give me living water? And he said, what I give you will be the Spirit and you'll never thirst again. That's our baptism. The pure water. It's just like that 10th chapter of Matthew. The last verse says, Whoever gives a man cold water to grieve, he'll not, cold water, cold water, he'll not lose his reward. They didn't have cold water in Israel unless they drew it from a deep well. That was living water. And he uses those idioms to crisscross each other. I didn't understand. A cup of cold water means living water, the Holy Spirit, the truth. Let's go back to chapter 9. What? Chapter 9. Yet that he should offer himself often. Well, I go back to 24. For Christ is not entered into holy places made with hands. He's entered into our temple. We're the temple of God. He's entered into our hearts, sprinkling our hearts, death to self, right? Which are figures of the true anti-tupon corresponding counterpart. That's what the Old Testament was, is a corresponding counterpart. But unto heaven itself, I could go into heaven being the ruling class, and that was Israel. Now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place. He don't have to offer himself over and over because the 10th chapter, he offers himself one sacrifice once for all. Says that in verse 14, by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. He says up here in in uh, previous verse, he offering of the body of Christ once for all in verse 10. So he didn't have to offer himself over and over. That kind of knocks out the Roman Catholics who have the Mass all day long, every day in every Catholic church. And they're having the sacrifice of the Mass over and over. And Jesus is dying all day long. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself once for all. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear sins of many unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And if you go over there and look at the 10th chapter, do I have any time, Mike? 11. I'll just go. I want you to read that. Yeah, the sins of many, not everybody. Yeah, it's the sins of many he died for. And then he says over here in chapter 10, I love the book of Hebrews. It makes sense when you understand spiritual Israel, spiritual sacrifice. And he's, gosh, I don't know if I need to go over here. 
Uh, no, I'll, I'll go back there. I'll get that in a minute. And when he says uh, in verse 7, he didn't come to offer burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin that has no, you don't have any pleasure in that, Lord. Then said I, verse 7, I came in the volume of the book written to, of me to do thy will, O God, above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings for sin thou wouldest not. You don't want that, God. Neither hadst pleasure therein which offered by the law, by the rituals of the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He take away the first, the rituals of the Old Testament, the literal Passover, to form the second, that he may establish the second Passover of Christ being the Lamb, the third cup being the cup of blessing, unleavened bread, which is us, and anywhere you find the unleavened bread, it's on the it's on the table of unleavened bread inside the temple. It's right there. That's us. The seven candlesticks is the church in Revelation one and twenty. The prayers of the saints are coming from this altar here. That was all what he called here figures, patterns, figures of the truth. Where was I? I don't know where I was. I already read this, didn't I? Yeah. Now, gosh, I got so much to go on this. What was the original way? It was the narrow way, wasn't it? There's only one way. It is narrow. It's full of tribulation. I go through a lot of tribulation. I've been cut off from my family. I got a daughter. Hadn't seen her since she's 25 and she's 58 now. She wants nothing to do with me. She hates the message I preach. Hates it. Does that hurt? Don't hurt anymore. Hadn't seen her in so long. If somebody told me she died in a car wreck, I wouldn't say, well, really, that's amazing. I'd go about my business. My brothers and sisters, those who do the will of the Father, doesn't have anything to do with her. It, people say, that's hard, Jim. I cried a million tears when she was young, and I was young. When she was just a child, I I shed a lot of tears, but I don't have any anymore. I don't believe she, I believe she's a vessel of wrath fitted for destruction. And I'm not just putting her down to give her a hard time. Now, look over here in Luke, the third chapter. And this takes us back to where we all started. Luke, the third chapter, and Mark, the second chapter. Turn to both of them. And he says here, speaking of John, chapter 3, verse 3, And John came unto all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance, for the forgiveness of sins is the word remission, aphesis, but it means forgiveness. The same way this was written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying, and he's going to tell you what the baptism of repentance is, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way, 
Every time you find way, it's hodos. It's the tribulation way. It is the way into the holiest by tribulation. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Don't have time to go into them. Just about out of time. So prepare you the way is the baptism of blood. And you look over here and mark the first chapter. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Same thing John says. Here's the gospel. Here's the true baptism. The true baptism or the true gospel is as it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's the baptism. That's the gospel. The true, the true baptism is the gospel. It's prepare ye the Hodos. And if you look in Isaiah 40, you'll see this. Isaiah 40. I've never heard a preacher preach this in my life. Isaiah 40. Verse 3. The voice of one crying into the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare thee. It says direct here, but direct is the New Testament word hodos. D-E-R-E-K. We get our word direction from that. It's the same thing in it's hodos. Over in Mark, the first chapter, it's hodos. In Luke, the third chapter, it's hodos. It's a narrow tribulation way. That's the baptism. It's a blood baptism, isn't it? And he says it here. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. What does that mean? What is the word humble? Humble yourself under the hand of God. T-A-P-E-I-N-O-O. To find the I means to level mountains and hills. A mountain was a capital city of an empire. Babylon is called a destroying mountain. She's the mother of all idolatry, of harlots. A destroying mountain. God says you're a proud mountain. And I'm going to make you a burnt mountain. And you see Babylon burning with all of her goodies in Revelation, the 18th chapter. When they see the smoke of her burning... All the merchants of the earth will weep and cry when this whole thing goes belly up and we go broke and nobody has any money anymore. If I get any time, Mike? Two minutes. Okay. So when you when it says all people, well, I think that's what it says over in Luke, the second chapter, or the first chapter. When he says prepare the way, Israel's in captivity. They were captive in in uh, Babylon. And it well in Assyria in, in they were captive in Assyria 
in Isaiah, Jeremiah, they're captive in Babylon, and to prepare a way back into Israel, that would make a highway for the Lord to go back and rebuild the temple of God. Rebuild temple over here that had been crushed and destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king. It's talking about a way out of Babylon. And in Babylon, Babylon was the mother of all idolatry, all harlots, and Revelation 17 and 5, and she was founded on self. There has to be death to self. To They didn't want to come back to Israel because Israel was a wasteland. When Nebuchadnezzar came in, he leveled the town, the city, plowed it up. There was nothing left. Tore down the temple, tore down the gates, burn everything to the ground. And they own it. they're prosperous in Babylon. Why would they want to go back over here to this wasteland to build the temple? We have to build the temple of God too. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? What is it that builds the temple of God? Charity edifies. Charity is the word agape. Walk in the commandments of God. It means to build up. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these words of truth. Cause us to continue this ministry. Strengthen us. We'll praise you for all things. I don't know what to ask you for. We've got problems. Help us. Lord, we'll give you praise for everything. Fight our battles. Cause us to be content in everything that happens. We'll praise you for it all in Christ's name. Amen.